This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Now we are um, embarking for four weeks on a discussion of leaving the right kind of legacy behind. Really putting together a legacy that's not going to crumble. Because I, I don't know about you, but, but I, I, when I think about my life, I, I want my life to be dedicated and, and spent in such a way that, that it actually buys something that's worth something. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't want to just live a life and then, and then be gone, right? I, I want God to use me to do something that, that matters. And, and really, when that happens, when God uses us to do something that matters, inevitably behind that, God is going to leave a legacy. We want to be the kind of people that leave good legacies. So I thought it'd be a good way to start out today just by uh, looking at what our working definition of the word legacy is going to be. It's going to be this. Uh, this is uh, in your notes, so look at this. Uh, it is change created and sustained after our responsibility is fulfilled. Change that is created and sustained after our responsibility has been fulfilled. I want to go back through that definition and help you understand kind of what we mean by that. The first thing is that a legacy produces change. A good legacy produces change. I I don't know how familiar you are with family dynamics and the culture that we live in. I've had the privilege to study under some of the leading researchers who have done some great work throughout our country to understand certain dynamics that exist. Ruby Payne is a woman who wrote a book called A Framework for Understanding Poverty, spent years and years studying those who live in America that are living in poverty. Her conclusion as she studied poverty is that poverty is not situational. Now, there is situational poverty. There are people that hit some bad spots in life. But poverty as it is passed down from generation to generation is not situational. It is systemic. That parents teach their kids how to live in poverty. The behaviors that are taught at home are caught eventually by the kids. And then they begin to do the same thing. That's why when we look in the Bible in in Exodus as God is giving the Ten Commandments, he drops this little saying in there that if, if you just read it and you pull it out of the scriptures and you look at it, it looks awfully mean. God says that, I will visit the sins of the fathers upon the generations that follow to the third and to the fourth generation. 
And when I first started studying the Bible and I read that, I thought, wow, that's pretty mean, God. <laughs> so as a, as a dad, you're not just going to punish me. You're going to punish my kids for what I do. I don't think that's a statement of punishment as much as it is just a practical statement. You see, when parents live sinfully with sinful lifestyles, they teach their kids how to live sinfully with sinful lifestyles. And that which is normal becomes normal for them. And the sins of the father are visited upon his children to the third and to the fourth generation. Legacy is about generating change. It's about not passing what's normal on to our kids. Some of us have experienced that. We grew up in homes where our parents loved Jesus. And we saw them in critical moments stop and say, no, we're not going to make a decision. We're going to pray about this. I'm going to pray. And we've seen our parents bend their knees to Jesus. We've seen them devote themselves to following him. Right? We've, we've seen that, some of us. Some of us have seen our parents over Gener- I mean, over years and years, we've seen them constantly go back to the Bible. Opening the Bible in the morning to read it. Talking to us about our relationship with God, encouraging us to love Jesus and to go to church and to be the kind of people that God... We've seen some of us, but some of us have not experienced that type of legacy. We actually come out with what is, for the next couple months, normal, right? The average American family in the month of December spends about one and a half times their income. That doesn't make any sense, folks. It doesn't. You go in debt to buy family and kids gifts that they're going to use for two or three weeks. What's normal? What are we passing? Some of us have learned from not just our own experience, from watching our parents that if you can't afford it, it's okay, just put it on the card. We'll pay for it later. Some of us have learned that when we have problems and stuff, we don't talk about problems. No, we just bury that stuff deep down inside, right? (laughs) Just smile like it's all good. See, we've all come out with some kind of legacy, but a good legacy produces the right kind of change. But it's not just producing change in the moment. It's producing change that is sustained. Change that lasts, and it lasts beyond the fulfillment of our responsibilities. See, if you're a parent, probably the best place for me to paint the picture so you can see is that you have a responsibility as a parent. You have a responsibility to take care of your kids, to love your kids, to direct your kids, to grow them up, right? To be good stewards because they are not your kids. One day, if we've done our jobs right, 
They'll be self-sustaining adults, right? Who are responsible. And we won't have to be the person that's there making it happen. See, a legacy is changed that is sustained after we've fulfilled our responsibility. After we, let, let me put it in another word, after we have fulfilled our calling. As a parent, there's definitely a calling that's there. And many of you are leaders and organizations and to create a legacy, it means that we Produce change by following Jesus, a change that is sustained not just by our involvement, not just by us being those that hover over the processes, by us being those who create change that lasts even after we've fulfilled. That's a legacy. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to leave behind. The truth is, this is in your notes, that your life right now is building your legacy. I think that a lot of times when we entertain the, the thought of a legacy, some of us think, I don't, there's no way, I'm just the average guy that goes to work. I, I, don't, I, I just come home and, and we've got a few kids, but I, I don't know what kind of legacy I could leave behind. You know, everyone leaves a legacy. Everyone does. Not everyone leaves a good legacy, but everyone leaves a legacy. And legacies aren't built in grand moments. They're built in each moment. See, I, I've known a few single moms who realized that their situation was so busted that they were going to have to go back to work. Not just back to work, but back to school because the work that they could get wasn't good enough to pay for their family. And I've seen some of them work two jobs, manage going to school and graduate, right? In four or five years from college, qualified to do something professionally like teach or to be an accountant. Can I tell you, the legacy that they have handed their children is not found on graduation day. It's found when they see their mom tired in the morning and they know she was up late doing homework. And she did what it took to do what it took to make what needed to happen, happen. See, legacy happens in moments, in moments. It happens as we build our life right now. That's why it's important to make the right decisions, to follow the right plan. Because if we're going to build the right kind of life that leaves the right kind of legacy, if we're going to do that, we have to be focused on the right decisions. Life is an active process. We're choosing how we navigate this life. And I would tell you this, that we, were, we will either build a legacy by design or by default. 
We will either build a legacy by design or by default. You see, the thing is, is that when, when Ruby Payne studied families that propagated poverty from generation to generation, what happened is they just lived the default way that they knew how to live. Buy everything on a credit card, deal with unbelievable amounts of debt, pay the bank a third of what you make in interest. Poverty from generation to generation because they were living by default. But you see, God has a plan for life. He has a plan for you. And we can either live by the design of that plan or by the default of what's normal. I want to connect a few verses for you. It comes out of Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, beginning in verse 20. The Bible says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. How many of y'all know if your friends are stupid, life isn't going to go well for you, right? All right. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. Now, when we read that, because we're all consumers, we think that the righteous are rewarded with what? Big trucks, nice houses, right? Wrong. Walk with the wise and you will become wise. I love what Dave Ramsey has done in Financial Peace University. We, we use that as a tool around here to help families that are struggling financially to gain a financial plan. But their, their best practices come literally after studying millions, all right, millions of people and looking at what works in their lives. Looking at at, at millionaires and seeing how they went from nothing to something. And they have gained what they call best practices practice from that because if you're struggling with money don't go ask the guy that has a ton of debt what to do with your money right if you're struggling in your relationship right with your spouse don't go don't go talk to your friend who's who's really you know their relationship with their spouse is not very good. Don't take their we want to gain from the people that are wise. Walk with the wise and you will become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Right? Those who are sinful, there's trouble that follows them and the righteous are rewarded with good things. That's I think about that. That's as we follow the wise that we're rewarded with a fruitful marriage. And I love that where the Bible leads, it says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Have y'all know that the Bible is not just talking about that. We leave money for our grandkids. That our lives have a lasting impression. They leave a legacy beyond. Right? That if we will live by God's design, there is a legacy that flows out of that. And the truth is, is that when we look at the world that we live in right now, 
lives are not leaving that kind of legacy. I mean, normal in our culture is pretty broken, isn't it? Because normal financially is in debt. Normal relationally is struggling, maybe even divorced. Normal with our families is struggling with our kids, not knowing what to do. We don't want normal. That's why I've said this before. If you want what normal people have, do, do what normal people do. I mean, what's a normal legacy? I mean, Ruby Payne and her research shows us that it's not producing any change. It's passing on the same broken thing that we were handed in life. Allowing the sins to continue to flow through us. Not being the people that stand up and say, my family has done this for generations wrong, but it stops with me. Maybe being the parents, and we actually have a term for these parents now. We call them helicopter parents. You heard this term before, right? Parents that hover over their kids, right? And it's not that that's bad that they don't care about their kids, but these kids get to college, and my sister works in administration in college, and they have no idea how to do anything for themselves, because their parents have done it for them for for. And so it's not a legacy because when that parent is removed out of their lives, what happens? The the change is not self-sustained. So what do we need to do if we're going to build a life that reflects the kind of life God would have us to live and leaves a good legacy behind? What are we going to do? The first thing that we need to do is to focus on the foundation to focus on the foundation. I want to show you a building. You may recognize this building. Look at this building with me. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. Pisa is a small town in, in Italy. When this was first constructed around 1200 AD, they only really built the first three floors. And in about three years, they noticed that the ground began to shift. The, the word Pisa in Italian literally means marshy land. And they noticed that the foundation, the land that this was built on, was not suitable to carry the kind of weight that this tower had. It's marble cut out of, out of mountains in the region. And so it began to lean. And I guess after some restorative work that was done, they decided that it would be smart to add four more <laughs> floors on top of it, put a bell tower on the top of it. In the late 90s, architects concluded that there was no way that this thing was going to survive. They actually estimated that by this year, it would have fallen. And so in 1999, um, some very creative architects went in and did some restoration work. They went and removed dirt from underneath the, the opposite side of where it's linking and allowed the tower to sink back. So if you go to Pisa today, the tower is actually open for tourists. You can walk up in there. But any architect that studied it says, one day, this tower is going to fall because it was not built on the right foundation. I'd like to look at what Jesus says about foundations in Matthew 7. 
beginning in verse 24. This happens at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the largest collection of teaching from Jesus at one time. All right, so, so Jesus has just talked about everything from money to worry to fear to how we treat other people. And he says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus tells us that our lives look a lot like a house. And if we're going to build the right kind of life that leaves the right kind of legacy, we have to start by building it on the right foundation. I want to tell you something that's very important. I want everyone to hear this today. That there are good things that make bad foundations. There are good things that make bad foundations. Ladies, look at your husband. He's awesome. I know. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. When he comes home at night, he hugs you and just holds you until you feel completely loved, right? I know that's what happens when he comes home. And every time you cook a meal, no matter how good it is, no matter how bad it is, he compliments it. He tells you how wonderful he was, how appreciative. I know that, right? I know that's how he is. Can I tell you something about your husband you might not know? He might be a good husband, but he makes a bad foundation for life. Kids, your kids are wonderful gifts. I love my kids. I enjoy them. I have a three-year-old daughter named Adelaide and a one-year-old son named Clayton, and they are fun and smart, but they would make a really bad foundation for life. If you need any proof of that, all you need to do is watch my daughter eat spaghetti, and she will prove that she would be a very bad foundation in life. That's how life goes. Some of us take a good thing and we turn it into a supreme thing. You see, they're good. That doesn't mean they're bad, but they make bad foundations. As a matter of fact, for our lives to leave the right kind of legacy, we must start by building the foundation of our lives on Jesus. We must start building by building on the foundation of Jesus. So let's look today at four things that we can do to start constructing our lives on the foundation of the rock of Jesus. The first thing, and this can radically transform the way that you process moments, is this, is that you need to build your life with the end in mind. Build your life with the end in mind. I mean, how many of us just walk into a, a de- building a house 
And without thinking about the rest of what the house is going to look like, we just go in and pick colors and cabinets that won't match with anything, but we just like that one. That's not how we think, is it? We think comprehensively. How is this going to work with the end? And that's how we need to be in life. I mean, as we parent our children, that's probably one of the greatest callings many of us will ever stand under is the the calling to be a dad or to be a mom. And we need to parent kids, not situationally, not lost in the moment, but parent them with the end in mind. Like we want our kids to be responsible. We want them to be compassionate. I want them to be the kind of kids that can take care of themselves, that know how to manage money. All right. That can make responsible decisions about relationships. So if I keep that in the end game, it helps me manage the moment differently. Because the moment is no longer just about making them happy. It's not just about enjoying them. It's about helping push them in the right direction. See, the same thing applies to our marriages. See, if we approach marriage understanding that we want to spend our lives together, that we want to get to the end of this race together, we want to be people who, even though we're going to deal with craziness, right? And if you're married, your spouse is crazy, right? Just look at them and say, you're crazy. Just do that, all right? It's true. You are. You're crazy, all right? And it's, and it's all right. We all have our own different versions of crazy. Like some of you are so neurotic, right, that you can't even enjoy your home because everything has to be in place, right? And the only time you ever enjoy your house is when everybody is left and everything's in its right place. And you can sit there on the couch and look at it, right? That's, that's crazy. I don't know if you know that, right? But in our, in our marriages, if we, if we understand that, that the end game is that we want to be people who spend a lifetime in love with each other, that we're going to remain committed to each other, you know what? Maybe that helps reframe the argument about which way the toilet paper should flip over, right? Maybe those small little situations along the way aren't as important. Financially, it's the same way. In the next two months, you're going to make financial decisions that have the potential to have long-term impacts on your family. If you overextend yourself to buy and go in debt to buy your kids gifts that you can't afford so that they can play with them for two or three weeks. That's normal. Build a life with the end in mind. The second thing is focus on obedience, not understanding. Focus on obedience, not understanding. Think about how Jesus opens the discussion about foundations. He says, if anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, they are the people who are built on the rock. But those who have heard my words and don't do what I've asked them to do, those are the ones who are building a life on the sand. Right. So the issue is obedience. If you've been around here, you've heard me say this. 
If you follow Jesus, you won't understand everything he asks you to do. If you did, all you have is a God who's nothing but you. I want a God that's bigger than me, that's smarter than me, that understands the world in a way I never could. So he's going to ask me to do things that don't make sense to me. The Bible tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We need to focus on being obedient, not understanding. I, I love this as it emerges in 1 Samuel 15 in a conversation between the great prophet Samuel and David. Samuel says this to David, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? I mean, in that, to put that in, in our modern day language, does, does God delight in you raising your hands and singing really loud and, and getting up every day and doing your devotions? Or does he delight more in you being obedient? To obey is better than to sacrifice. Focus on obedience. Number three, a bad foundation has to be destroyed to be rebuilt. A bad foundation has to be destroyed to be rebuilt. And there are some of us that are in here today that we have built our lives on bad foundations, that we have built our lives where our security is found holistically in our bank account and the number that's there. Or it's found in the opinion that someone else has of us or in the security that we find in a relationship. And if that foundation is bad, just like when we go to build a home and the foundation is sloped or it is built on ground that's not suitable, the foundation has to be destroyed before it can be rebuilt. I mean, Jesus even alluded to this. It was the statement that would end up leading to his execution in Mark 14. He said, I I came. And I'm going to tear down this temple that's been made by human hands in three days. And then I'm going to build it back. See, our lives are all worshiping something. We've all made a temple to something. And when we've built the wrong foundation, all we've done is built a temple to worship the wrong thing. Your kids are great, but they make bad gods. And what God promises is that he can rebuild that. He can rebuild a life. And all we need to do is, number four, let Jesus be the center of our everything. Let Jesus be the center of your marriage, of your family, of your parenting. Let Jesus become the center of your vocation, of your profession, of your career. Let Jesus be the center of your finances, of your words, of your passions. Let Jesus become the center of everything. Because when he is our rock, The life that is built on top of him cannot be destroyed. It is a legacy that will last. 
And I'm telling you, those of you that have kids, your kids are watching you. They're watching you live. They're watching the decisions you make. All of us have people that love us, that are around us, that right now our lives are building a legacy. What kind of foundation is your legacy being built on top of? As our musicians come forward, I want everyone to ask this one question today to yourself. I want you to ask this question, what does this message, what does this message right here, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for me? Maybe today, you're the person that's realizing, you know what, I've taken a good thing, but I've made it a supreme thing. All my life, it revolves around this relationship or this person or this thing. And it's not a bad thing. My job's not a good thing. Our kids aren't a a bad thing. But this good thing has become supreme thing. It's become foundational in my life. Maybe today you're the person that realizes you've been waiting to fully understand what God's asked you to do. You've been putting off being obedient to God because you just want to understand it. Maybe today you realize you won't ever. What does this message mean for you? Let's pray. God, today, if we're going to leave the kind of legacy that you want to leave in us, God, It's only going to happen if we build our lives on the foundation that matters, and that's you. God, if we build on a foundation that's going to withstand the storms. So God, help us to look to you and to find your words to be true and to put them into practice, to be obedient, and to find you as our foundation. With no one looking around, I want to ask a question. Every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask you today where is your foundation where is your foundation right now is your foundation in a good thing that's not God himself where is your foundation where are you finding your security your hope because if it's not in Jesus all you have to do is turn to him today. And by the power of what he did on the cross for us, that old foundation is destroyed and he will build a new one. If that's you, and you say, I built my life on the wrong foundation, but I want to build it on Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? That's me. Anybody else? Hands all over the room. Anybody else want to say that today? So God, for those of us that are in the room today who would say that we have built our foundations in the wrong place, we ask you to come and to tear it up and to build a new one and set our lives on the rock that is Jesus Christ. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.